Well, good morning, Harvest. It is great to be uh, back with you this morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is uh, John Miller. I have the privilege of serving on staff at Prison Fellowship Canada. And I also had the privilege back from 2002 to 2010 to be on staff right here at Harvest Berry as a pastor of family ministries and pastor of adult and family ministries. And so I consider uh, this church family to be part of my extended family. So thankful to Pastor Todd and the elders for the opportunity to be here. It's amazing to see uh, how much has changed in the past five to six months as we've navigated this global pandemic. The impact on our families, our education system, our workplaces, and even the local church. Uh, It's been amazing to see the difference that this has made. And there's still so much uncertainty, isn't there? As schools have started to reopen, as our workplaces are beginning to change, will there be a second wave? Will there be more to come? What exactly is going on? And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for the perfect knowledge of God and for his sovereignty over it all as we put our trust in him. Of course, the pandemic isn't the only thing that's been dominating the headlines recently. You only really need to turn on the news or to hop on social media, and you start to see the talk of justice, or more specifically, stories of injustice that are occurring in the world, in south of the border, and even in our own uh, country and communities right now. We see videos of racial injustice. We see stories of economic injustice, uh, professional athletes who are taking the knee and boycotting games and demanding justice. I've seen stories recently of what I would call judicial injustice, people who were finally set free after decades of being wrongfully imprisoned uh, for crimes that they did not commit. The question of justice is a bit of a hot topic these days, and, and rightfully so. You know, in my role at Prison Fellowship Canada, justice is a topic that we're often speaking about uh, almost every single day. What does it mean to be a person of justice? What What does it mean as an organization to help equip and mobilize churches to step into this area of ministry, this area of justice? What does justice even look like? What does it look like from God's perspective? There's lots of confusion these days. And so we understand as we look at the scriptures, though, that justice is an important call that is upon us from God. Micah chapter 6, verse 8 says this, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? God spoke through the prophet Amos in chapter 5, verse 24, and he said, Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. The people of God are required by God to do justice, to act justly, to be people of justice. This needs to matter to us, and it's something that we need to talk about and wrestle with together. Uh, So this morning, that's what we're going to attempt to do. We're going to start a conversation about justice and what that means for us as individuals and for you as a church community. And I want to be clear that I I don't have time to walk you through the whole scripture and to deal with every aspect of biblical justice. So what we want to do this morning is explore one particular facet of justice and by the help of God's spirit, seek to apply that to our own lives as we seek to be people who do justice. So if you've got your Bible with you or your device, please go with me to the book of Isaiah. 
chapter 58 in verse 1. Isaiah chapter 58 in verse 1. If you don't know where Isaiah is in your Bibles, flip to the middle. You'll probably land near the Psalms. Go right, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and then you'll get to Isaiah chapter 58 in verse 1. And we're going to look at the first five verses uh, together this morning. So let me tell you where we're going to go today, though, before we read this passage, as we talk about what it means to do justice. What we're going to see here is that justice is very much about our relationships. Biblical justice is almost always relational. It affects uh, how we treat each other. It affects all of our relationships. And so to be people who do justice in a biblical sense means to to ensure that we are in right relationships. Do justice by right relationships. First, by a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, and then pursuing right relationships with others. So we're going to look at that together this morning. So let me begin by uh, reading Isaiah chapter 58, and then I'll I'll pray and we'll dive into this uh, together. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 to 5. Cry aloud, Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgressions, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this fast a day and a day acceptable to the Lord? Heavenly Father, I just pray uh, right now through your Holy Spirit that you would help us as your people to see what you want us to see, to hear what you want us to hear. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would transform us together as we look to your word, the living and active scriptures that you've written for us. I pray that we would encounter you. I pray that we would see you, Jesus, more fully. And we would uh, leave this time together as different people ready to serve you and to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Help me, I pray, in this moment to do what you've called me to do and to do it for your glory alone. In Christ's name, amen. All right, well, the call upon us is to be people who do justice. As we look at these first five verses together, it's important to kind of note what's going on here in this book. And so if you turn back to Isaiah Chapter 56 and verse 1, it says this, Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed. And so that verse is really setting up this whole section of scripture that we're in. And it's very familiar to what we just uh, saw in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, that God's expectation, his requirement upon us is to be people of justice, people who keep justice And do righteousness. And in that particular verse, you see those two words, justice and righteousness, that are together. And they're often coupled together in the scriptures. uh, This justice and righteousness, righteousness and justice together as we look at it. Uh, As an example, Psalm 33, 5 says that the Lord loves righteousness and justice. And so in a broad sense, when something is righteous or just, 
It's the way that it ought to be. It's the way that God intended it. It's the righteous principles of God that are rightly applied in our lives. Righteousness and justice. And so when we look at that, then from a relational standpoint, to be people of justice means that our relationships with God and our relationships with others are the way that they ought to be, the way that God calls them to be. They are right, the right relationships. One commentator puts it this way. He says that to be righteous or just in this sense means to be right with God and therefore committed to putting right all other relationships in my life. This is what God is requiring of his people. And this is what he's asking of us today as well as we seek to be people who do justice. Now look back with me then at Isaiah chapter 58 and notice then we encounter a problem. The expectation was clear, but as we look at chapter 58, we see that this wasn't actually happening. They weren't actually doing justice and walking rightly. In fact, uh, they were doing the very opposite. They were missing the mark. They were failing at it. It was a bit of a gong show as it related to justice. And so as we look at their example, what we're going to see this morning is two or two dangers or pitfalls that we want to avoid. If we're going to be people of justice, uh, then we need to avoid these dangers or pitfalls relationally in order that we pursue right relationships. And the first one is this. Danger number one, it's the danger of disconnection. The danger of disconnection. It's when my religious activity is not rooted in a genuine relationship with God. When my religious activity is not rooted in a genuine relationship with God. So this this danger is a a vertical relationship danger having to do with our relationship with God. Now look with me at verse 1 and notice how we begin to see this here. God starts by telling the prophet Isaiah, he says, cry aloud, Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression to their house of Jacob, their sin. So God is announcing his judgment. He's saying, Isaiah, I've got something I want you to go tell my people. And I want you to cry aloud these words, literally from your throat. Don't hold back, he says. Don't restrain yourself. Don't try to soft pedal and and couch it in all niceties. Declare it like a trumpet. Raise your voice and tell them what I want them, uh, what I need them to hear. He says, declare to them uh, their transgressions and their sins. God has something he wants to say. And it's a reminder to us that sometimes the way, and oftentimes, let's be honest, the way that God loves us is by telling us the truth that we need to hear. It's what a loving father does. He sits his children down and he has that tough conversation because he loves and cares about them. So what was the problem here? What was the transgression or the sins that the people we're committing. Verse 2, it says, Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Now, I, I don't know about you, but when I read verse 2, after reading verse 1, my first reaction is a little bit of confusion. What, what exactly is going on here? I thought God was telling the Isaiah to tell the people their, their transgressions and their sins, and yet notice what he's saying about them. Notice first, they seek me daily, God says. These people were seeking God. I mean, isn't that something that we're supposed to do? Uh, Psalm 105, 4 says, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. David in Psalm 27, he said, you said, God, seek my face, and my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. So 
Isn't that a good thing? Aren't they supposed to be seeking God daily? Notice the second thing he says about them here in verse two. He says, they delight to know my ways. They delight to know my ways. And again, seems like a good thing. Psalm uh, chapter one, verses one and two says, blessed is the man or blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So it seems like this is a good thing. Notice thirdly, he says that they ask of me righteous judgments, verse two. They ask of me righteous judgments. So it seems like they're praying for the right stuff. And, And Jesus said, hey, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks will be open. And in John chapter 14, he says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So what's the problem here? Notice, fourthly then, they delight to draw near to God. James 4, 8 says that if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. So it seems like the people here are doing the right things. And as one author put it, he said, one would think that people who seek God and want to understand his ways are doing the right things and have the right priorities. And he goes on to say, one would think that these acts of repeatedly seeking God were the devoted acts of righteous person who loves God and keeps his commandments. In fact, even the people seemed a little confused. Look back with me at verse three of Isaiah chapter 58. Notice what their complaint to God. They're saying, hey God, why? Why have we fasted? And you see it not. Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? It's like we're doing these things, but it doesn't seem like you're listening or seeing. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you're doing all the right things before God and he just doesn't seem to be paying any attention? It reminds me of a term, uh, it's, it's kind of new to our world. It's called ghosting a person. I don't know if you've ever, if you know what that means or if you've ever been ghosted by someone, but if ghosting means uh, that uh, uh, when you have a friendship or a relationship with someone and all of a sudden they just stop communicating. You, you text them, they don't respond. You call them and leave a voicemail, they never call you back. You send them a message on social media, on Facebook, and, and they never reply. You've been ghosted. And that's essentially what the complaint of the people is. In their minds, God has ghosted them. God, we're supposed to be in relationship here. We're, we're praying, we're seeking, we're delighting, we're doing all these things, but you're not responding. Why? What, what's the problem? Was it God just having a bad day? Was he not listening? Was he not following through on his promises? Did he need some time alone? Is this just mean we can't trust the scriptures? I mean, what, what exactly is happening here? Or do we need to dig a little bit deeper? <clears throat> As it turns out, the problem here was not with God, it was with the people. And one author writes this, he says, what this verse is revealing is that people can look, act, talk, and delight in the things of God and yet still not be the people of God. A good moral cultural Israelite knows how to act, talk, and behave in religious circles, but knowing the cultural expectations of an Israelite is not the same as knowing God. And so what's the point? The point here is that the people were confusing their religious activity with actually a right 
relationship with God. You remember that parable Jesus told in Luke chapter 18? You've got the Pharisee and the tax collector and the Pharisee, he's, he's there and he's, he's looking and he's saying, oh God, I, I'm so thankful that I'm not like all those other people like that tax collector over there. I mean, I, I tithe and I, and I give and I fast and I do all these wonderful things even more than I'm required. And he's putting his trust in his religious activity, but he doesn't actually know God, unlike this tax collector who is humbly in his brokenness coming before God. And this is what's happening here in Isaiah 58. The people were assuming that because they were checking the boxes outwardly through religious devotion, that somehow God was obligated to pay attention to them, that somehow they had earned his right for his eyes and his ears to be upon them. And there were minds they were keeping and doing justice by doing what God wanted them to do. But as it turns out, their religious activity was falling on deaf ears because it wasn't actually rooted in a right relationship with God. You know, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talked about this, didn't he? He said, on that final day, there's going to be many who have this conversation with with him. They're going to say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and cast out demons in your name, and do many works in your name? And then Jesus will respond to them by saying this. He'll say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It's a sobering verse when you look at it, because according to Jesus, that'll be the conversation. There's going to be people who have said, man, I've done so many great things for God I've done all these things. I've got a long resume of religious activity and devotion. And Jesus is going to say, but I don't actually know you. It wasn't rooted in a right relationship with God. People whose religious activity was completely disconnected. And even though outwardly they looked like a good and faithful Christian, they weren't actually in a right relationship with God. It's dangerous because it has eternal consequences. You know, at Prison Fellowship Canada, Prison Fellowship Canada, one of the things that we're really all about, it's our vision of this organization, is to be this national community of reconciliation and restoration for prisoners, ex-prisoners, and their families, uh, using an approach to transformation that's rooted in the life and teachings of Jesus. And so one of the main conversations we're having as we seek to live out this vision is that, you know what, God knows everything about you. He knows everything you've ever done and he loves you more than you even realize. And he's ready and waiting to transform your life. But that transformation that he wants to do in you is not just outward transformation. It's not just changing your behaviors and getting you to stop doing crime. But what he actually wants to do is transform your heart. And he wants to be in a relationship with you. And that's the key to true and lasting transformation. It's an inward heart transformation that's rooted in the gospel. And so the starting point For them, for me, for all of us here this morning is the gospel. It's a reconciled and restored relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have to be careful that every single day, that is our starting point, that we are not uh, disconnecting our activity uh, for God with a relationship uh, to God. We need to ensure that our relationship with him is where it ought to be. Jesus said in Matthew 23, he said to the scribes and Pharisees, woe to you. Woe to you, hypocrites, he called them. For you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, 
But within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. God said it this way in Isaiah 29. He said, the, this people, they, they draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. You see, you see the difference here? It's one thing to, to go through your, your list of all the things you ought to do on the outside, things that are really good, your devotions, your church attendance, your tithing, your giving, your, your, your worship, your serving of the poor. But if it's not rooted in a right relationship with God, then we're missing the mark. And so this is the, the key to avoiding the danger of disconnection. It's coming back to Jesus at the cross, to the gospel, and remembering that it's not really about what I've done at all. In fact, it's all about what Jesus Christ has already done for me. And I need to go to him and I need to throw myself before him and say, I am poor and needy. And by faith, I put my entire trust and hope in you for salvation, for forgiveness for my life. And out of that, I will begin to serve you and do the things you've called me to do. And I don't know about you, but I need to remind myself of that every single day to ensure that my relationship with God is where it needs to be, to not get so caught up in ministry activities and and doing all the outward things and checking the boxes while neglecting my relationship with God. See, the reality is this. It's very possible to look, act, and talk like a Christian, but not actually be in a genuine and right relationship with God. It's possible to read four chapters a day of a Bible reading plan, to pray, to gather with the church, to go to your small group or to prayer meetings or put money in the offering plate. It's possible to serve the hungry and the destitute, but not actually know Jesus. And so my first question for us this morning is, do you truly know Jesus? Or are you trusting in religious activity that is disconnected from a right relationship with God. To be people of justice means to be in right relationships, a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now look back at the text now and notice this second danger or pitfall that we need to avoid. It's the danger of compartmentalization, the danger of compartmentalization. And if you're taking notes, my apologies, because that's a 20 letter word. I'll, I'll try to do better next time. Here's what I mean by it though. It's when my relationship with God has no impact on my relationship with others. When I've created these silos or these compartments, there's my relationship with God and there's my relationship with others and those two are not impacting at all one another. Look at the text and this is where God kind of goes next in his response. So the people are, they're wondering, they're saying, what's the problem? We're doing all the things we're supposed to do. We're we're, we're checking the boxes. We're, we're doing what you ask of us. We're seeking and praying and delighting in you. And notice God's response, the second part of verse three. He says, behold, look, behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, verse four, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice be heard on high. So what, what, what is, what's happening here? What is God trying to say back to his people? He's saying, all right, I want to talk to you now about three things that you're actually doing. You think you're doing all this, but here's actually the things that I, we need to discuss. And the first is, he says, you seek your own pleasure. The NASB translates this as you seek your desire or some other translations say, you just do as you please. And so the first problem that God had with what they were doing was they were making it all about themselves. 
He says, yeah, you're worshiping and fasting and praying and, and seeking me, but actually, when I look past all the outward appearances, what I see in your heart is a heart that is completely self-consumed. It's a heart that is, is self-righteous, it's self-focused, it's really just all about your own business, your own pleasure, you're, you're seeking your own desires. And that was a problem to God, obviously. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself. It's no longer about you, it's about him. Notice secondly in the text, the, the second thing that God wanted to address, not only do you seek your own pleasure, he says, but notice the last part of verse three, you oppress all your workers. You oppress all your workers. That word oppress can refer to exacting interest on somebody or, or even being a slave driver or taskmaster. You know, in my home with my family and four kids, uh, on Saturday mornings, we do chores. And I have to be very careful not to slip into this mode right here where I'm cracking the whip and, and getting everybody doing what they ought to do with the wrong spirit in our home. So Nehemiah is kind of helpful in maybe understanding what's going on in this passage. Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Here's an example of oppression that we see. Now there arose a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. For, the, for there were those who said, with our sons and our daughters we are many, so let us get grain that we may eat and keep alive. So these people wanted food. Verse 3. There were also those who said, we're mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our houses to get grain because of the famine. And there were those who said, we've borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Now our flesh, verse 5, is as the flesh of our brothers and our children as their children, yet we're forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but it's not in our power to help it, for other men have our fields and our vineyards. So all that to say, what's happening here is, is the powerful are taking, um, they're taking advantage of the poor, the powerless. Yeah, they were fasting and seeking and, and checking all the right boxes, but they were taking advantage of the poor. They were oppressing them. They were exacting interest. They were oppressing the poor, and, and this was a problem to God. Proverbs 14, verse 31 says that whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. So God is looking down from heaven on his people and he's seeing the way that the poor people are being treated by these folks and he's saying, I'm insulted by this. This is not what I want. This is not what I'm asking of you. You're oppressing your workers. And notice thirdly, back in the text in Isaiah chapter 58, not only are they seeking their own pleasure, not only are they oppressing their workers, but he says, verse four, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. So their lives were marked by violence. They were oppressing the workers and the poor around them and they were treating them violently. They were beating on them. And so the people are wondering, why is God not listening to me? Why is he not answering my prayers? Why is he not responding to me? And God's response is, hey, here's what I see when I see you. I see your hearts filled with selfishness. I I see you behaving very badly. You're oppressing the poor. You're taking advantage of them and you're physically hurting them and it's insulting to me. This is not what I'm looking for from my people. This is not what it means to keep justice and to do justice and to be about righteousness. Notice in verse five, God almost sarcastically says this. He says, is such the fast that I choose? A day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this fast? And a day is acceptable to the Lord? God's saying, are you kidding me? 
Do you really think that, that this is what I'm looking for from you right now? Is this, is this really what I'm asking of you? And God's saying, here's the danger. You, you've compartmentalized your relationship with me. Yeah, you're doing all these things wonderfully vertically, but as I look out on your horizontal relationships, they're not where they ought to be, and you're missing the mark. So here's the point. Our relationships with others impacts our relationship with God. What happens horizontally has an impact vertically, and what happens vertically ought to have an impact horizontally. Our worship on a Sunday ought to affect our relationships and our work on a Monday. And I don't know if you've noticed this. Maybe this has happened to you. You're on your way to church or, or when you were allowed to come and gather as, as a church, but you get into a fight with your spouse. Has that ever happened to you in the car? And you're just at each other as you pull into the church parking lot. And then for whatever reason, it just seems like your worship seems a little flat. You're just not connecting with God the way you normally would. Or, or you lose your cool with a friend or on one of your kids and and it just seems a little harder that day to connect with God in prayer. Have you ever experienced that? You know, I, I've had morning devotions where I've sat down and I've opened my Bible and I've looked at my Bible reading plan and, and it was like just a few minutes after I lost my cool on one of my kids. And, and, it's, and God is saying, hey, listen, John, great that you're here, but here's what I want you to do first. I want you to go to your son and I want you to humble yourself and and apologize and seek forgiveness. Make that right. And then come, we'll do our thing. But first go and deal with your horizontal relationships. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter five. He says, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or your sister or your spouse or your child and then come and offer your gift. So if we want to be people who do justice, then we need to ensure that our relationships with others on a horizontal level are in the right place. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, he says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So do your part to ensure that your relationships horizontally are where they need to be. At Prison Fellowship, one of our uh, core programs is in the area of restorative justice. And this is essentially what we're talking about when we talk about restorative justice in our world. Uh, That we are trying to help prisoners understand the impact that their crime has had on their relationships. Yes, we want you to be reconciled to God. That is first and foremost what we're looking for in your life. That you need to get things squared up uh, vertically through faith in Jesus Christ. But... Also understand that there's relationships horizontally that need to be addressed as well. There's your families. There's the victim. There's the community around you that's been impacted because of what you do. And so restorative justice in this way, biblically, is about walking with them to help them see this and begin to start taking responsibility for it and begin to take steps wherever possible to seek reconciliation and restoration with those who've been impacted by it. It's powerful. And it's so important, not only for them, but for all of us. So what does that mean? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? What does that that mean for this uh, church community? God wants us to understand that all of our relationships matter to him. So how you treat your spouse or your children, how you treat your friends or your neighbors, 
how you treat your coworkers or your employees, how you speak with the cashier at the grocery store or the person getting you coffee at Tim Hortons or Starbucks, how you deal with that annoying guy on Facebook who's so opinionated, how you respond to those people matter to God. Those relationships are important and it's a facet of what it means to be people who do justice to ensure that our relationships are in a right place and that we don't compartmentalize our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. So I want to challenge you today to take a serious look at the relationships in your lives, as I do in mine. To be people who do justice means to be people who seek right relationships, not only just with God, but with others. It's not either or, but it's both and. And we must not compartmentalize uh, those two things. And so I want to invite you today, even right now, to take some time for prayerful reflection and ask God to speak to you directly about your relationships. If you're going to be a person who does justice, it's about right relationships, relationships with God and with others. And so the first question I want you to consider this morning prayerfully is, whether or not you've fallen into this dangerous trap of disconnection. Have you been so consumed with religious activity that you've not rooted it properly in a right relationship with God? Have you become so concerned with checking the boxes of of sound doctrine and spiritual disciplines that you've actually neglected a true relationship with God? And all of those things are good and we must continue to be diligent and discipline ourselves in this way But it's not about the checklist. It's not about checking the boxes. It's about knowing Christ and delighting ourselves in God through through him. And so if you're here today and you just feel like in your heart, you're complacent, you feel disconnected from God, it's just not where you need to be, then the path this morning is a path of repentance. It's turning back to God. He is ready and waiting for you to come and to make things right through confession and repentance. And he will pour out his grace and his mercy upon you. He will draw near to you if you draw near uh, to him. The second question to ask this morning is about our relationships with others on a horizontal level. And have we compartmentalized things? Have we been so diligent to pursue God that we've actually neglected our relationships with others as well? Have I failed to see the connection between those two things? And are there relationships in my life right now that need to be addressed where I need to do my part as if possible, as far as it depends on me to seek peace with people, to pursue reconciliation and restoration in this way? Is there somebody that you need to text today or or send an email to or pick up the phone and call is there someone in your heart that you need to forgive and then open yourself up to the possibility of of reconciliation or fuller reconciliation this is all part of what it means to be people of justice some of the greatest blessings that i've experienced personally in the last uh, several years have been seeing uh, relationships reconciled and restored in lots of different ways And it's what it means to be people who do justice. But of course, all of this, all of this requires humility. Laying down our pride and humbly coming before God and before others to make things right. 
Isaiah 66, verse two. This is my favorite verse in the Bible. God says, this is the one to to whom I will look. He who is humble, contrite in spirit, and trembles at my word. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, my prayer for all of us is that we would be people of humility, people who do justice by pursuing right relationships, right relationships with God through faith in Jesus Christ and right relationships with others, being people of peace, being people of reconciliation and restoration for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the privilege of knowing you. And God, we know that at one point we were far off. We were enemies of you. We were dead in our sin. But you in your mercy and love, you made the way, the only way, uh, through Jesus Christ. And Jesus, you came and you shed your blood on the cross. And because of that, we can now know God through you. What an incredible gift that is. And Lord, we often fail to see the beauty of that. God, we want to be people who are right with you at all times. We want our hearts to be completely consumed and transformed by you. And God, we confess this morning how easy it is to look, act, and talk like Christians when maybe in our hearts we're not where we need to be with you. Would you forgive us, Lord? Would you forgive me of that? And I pray that you would help us reset this morning and get our eyes fixed on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. If there's someone here today who doesn't know you at all yet, who's never experienced the salvation and the forgiveness of sins, Lord, would you even right now, as I pray, uh, open their eyes through your Holy Spirit, cause them to see, and may there be the joy of salvation that overflows in their life right now. God, we also bring before you our relationships horizontally. And God, it's so easy for things to get out of sort, but God, you've called us to be people of peace and of reconciliation. And so Lord, would you help us to humble ourselves, to lay down our pride, to confess our sin, to seek forgiveness, to pursue reconciliation, whatever that looks like. I pray for just a movement of your spirit, reconciling work in all of us today. Give us the courage to do that. Give us the humility to do that. Help us to pursue justice in this way for your glory. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.